0: Hello and welcome to a special episode of Brain in a Vat. We have James Helps on from GoOnWrite.com. James is a book cover designer. Some of you will know that I'm a science fiction author and James has created many of my book covers over the years. I think we've been working together for eight or nine years and he more recently created the book covers for our philosophy series called Conversations About Philosophy and James did a fantastic job. So you can go and check those out and we'll place links in the bio below as well as links to James's website. But in the meantime, we're here to talk about AI-generated art and whether we should feel sorry for artists in this age of AI-generated art. James, would you like to start with a thought experiment?
1: I would indeed. What we're talking about here is somebody who's learned the craft, learned how to paint really well photorealistic paintings. They sell the paintings for five, six hundred quid a time. And all of a sudden, the eyes come. It's taken all of the pictures that had on the website. It's stolen the style. And now you can just type in, I would like a picture by ex artist. And basically, those people are not very happy out there at the moment. Is it fair or is it not fair on them? is the sort of thought experiment we're going to
0: do today. So I guess one of the important questions we have to ask is, how do AI-generated art machines work? So how do these engines produce the art they produce? The heart
1: of it, in terms of AI, you've got to really look at what it is. And to put it into simple terms, AI is a machine learning. It learns the structure of things. It learns the nature of things. And then stores the nature of things in in its brain, for want of a better word. And then that brain gets interrogated and in terms of it getting interrogated, it has its own sort of little argument in its own little brain and then produces the results from that. How that exactly works is people who even create the, the databases don't even know. So there isn't, it's not a programmed machine that like a computer game where if X happens, then B happens, then you little character walks across the screen. It's more interrogating a neural network, exactly the same way as our brain works. So I guess in terms of the way that AI is something like image generation, it's went and it's cannibalized basically all the images out on the internet and all
2: those images. So that's which one it is. So what's interesting is I think there's a perception that what's going on is that the AI is copying the work of other artists. But actually it seems that it's more akin to someone who studies under a great artist, you can imagine a great artist like Caravaggio has a range of students and they all learn how to paint like Caravaggio, but instead of just studying under Caravaggio, you pick all of the great artists and not just in painting or photography, all sorts of different mediums. So AI can generate images that would, how would it look like it was made out of clay or stone or out of ice. And it learns all of those things. And then what it does as you say is use the other images that it has in its mind, not just the styles and push them together. So you can go and have, let's say Malcolm Gladwell as an ice sculpture, riding a bicycle through the Sahara desert, a completely nonsensical, strange thing. And the AI can make it instantly. It's, it seems a little bit like commissioning an artist to do something for you, an incredibly talented artist who's learned everywhere. Do you think that the AI itself is an artist, or do you think that the person who's putting in the prompt is the artist?
1: Neither. I think in your example, I guess I would say if you're, if there's no thought process behind Mark Malcolm Gladwell as a Mary sculpture going through the desert on a bike, that it's, you said it was nonsensical. then there isn't an artist involved in that particular situation. That's a different process that's happening. It's not all. Oh, now, if you, if earlier today, this afternoon, you were thinking about this podcast and then you were, ah, oh, that's a really good image in my brain. And I, when I express that on the podcast and it's an expression of your feelings and your thoughts, then it would be art. but I think for the most part, that's not what people are. I would say 99% of people are using it and actually not what they use it for, they're not using it for, there might be people who are using it for, uh, commercial reasons as I do with book covers, which I wouldn't say that there's much art involved in that. There's a lot of people just using it for fun. There's a lot of people using it for their Dungeons and Dragons sessions. One thing that happens every day with me on my journey is that I go and do, I rank images. If I rank images for half an hour each day, it means I get a free hour. So I'm looking at what people are creating. I've probably seen probably the most broad cross-section of what's being created just randomly you look at it, and it, it, it there's a lot of batman on there that kind of thing i want know what batman would look like skiing in the alps just people's
0: curiosity i think more than artistic impulse so do you think that's different from what artists do so is the difference that the artist thinks carefully about what they want to create and they're more methodical whereas maybe what you're saying here is it's either more commercial or playful Is that really the distinction?
1: Yeah, I think a very simple way that I would look at, is it art or are you just creating something? Is who you're making it for? If you make, who you're making it for to make happy? If you're making it to make other people happy, if you're making something to make other people happy or to sell it, I wouldn't say it's generally, if you're doing something to satisfy your own curiosity or to express your own ideas, then I would say just one of really best, simple level. I mean, in terms of my book covers, I make pre-made book covers. And I would say I do have a very clear breakdown of maybe 90% of my pre-made covers are made to make other people happy when they're happy to give me money and I can sell covers. I would say there's still 10% that I just make for my own amusement. Where I go, that's quite a cool picture. It's never going to sell as a book cover. I'm just going to put it on my website. So there is... I think in people as well, I think there's very, people do want to do things to make other people happy, but there's 10% that they do want to express themselves as well. So I think that's probably like a fair breakdown of how people are use it.
2: That's an interesting account of art. We can imagine, let's say traditional craftspeople who are working in painting or sculpting, whatever it is. And we can imagine someone who is trying to express their goal and picks the medium of painting and produces this particular painting and someone else who says i just want to make money that's all i want to do and they produce a painting and then a third party observer comes in and they look at the two products and they go they're indistinguishable to me and they are both either treated as art or both treated as non-art and the question would be does it matter what internal states are in the creator's mind. In other words, are they doing this for profit or are they doing this for self-expression or is it a matter of how the objects are treated in the world? So one account of art is that it's not about the artist, it's a kind of institutional thing. If the art community treats it as a work of art, if it's recognized as a work of art, if it's put up in galleries and venerated, then it is a work of art. The other accounts are, no, it very much does depend on the intention of that creator. And you can imagine Picasso, everybody recognizes an artist, producing a series of works that he doesn't consider art, but mere preparations for an ultimate work. Someone else could pick up this and go, oh, it's a Picasso, it's touched by the artist. It's a great work of art. And he says, no, no, that's not what I was intending to do. That stuff is just preparatory work. It's it's the offcuts before I made the real work. And we can imagine something that with the AI artist. Where the person says, I want to try and express myself, I have this intention to create art, and I'm going to go through a series of iterations, until eventually I have the final product. Photographers have been doing this for years, you shoot a number of images, you pick the best one, you say, that's the photograph, that's the work of art. All the other stuff doesn't really matter. And so, if we think that these parallels are present in traditional art making and in AI, then it seems like someone could use the AI to produce art, genuine art, in the high art sense that you want it to, to make it, right?
1: I completely agree that if, this idea that is it art, is it not art, is irrelevant. Because actually I'd say the photography example is a really good example of that. That yeah, you'll take thousands of images and you'll pick one that you, where you're trying to express the thing you, you want to express. And it is just a tool, and the tool is irrelevant to what it is. It's the, this, he said the thing about Picasso and all these iterations before he got to the point, but then people go, oh, well, I've got a Picasso sketch, I've got a Picasso piece work of art. You have the other end of the scale as well, where you have someone like Damien Hurst. and I had a friend who actually worked in Damien Hirst's factory. So Damien Hirst doesn't do any of the work. And you have a bunch of quite talented artists that just work on a daily basis, churning his stuff out. And then, is it art oh, because it's been touched by Debbie and Hurst? And whether or not you like Debbie Hurst's artwork, the funny thing with that story is the fact that if you went and worked with Debbie Hirst, Hurst, Debbie Hurst would buy your artwork. If you're an artist, you just go and no, buy that, no, 500 quid. you pay your decent daily wage. But you go like, if you're producing, you go right away off you, like 500 quid. So he collected all the artwork of all the artists that worked in his factory because he had stupid money. So I was kind of, that that in itself was an interesting concept of just, I'm going to use you as labor, but then I'm going to validate your artwork, even though you're working on my artwork that I've never touched. So I think this idea, I think this idea of, yeah, what is art is I don't, it's something people can argue about forever, inside out, and people will have different
0: definitions, but I would definitely say you can make art with AI. Then an interesting question is, if you can make art with AI, can the AI make art? So in your example with Damien Hurst, you've got Damien Hurst directing this process, and that seems similar to you sitting down on the computer and putting in the prompt. And then you press generate or create, and the AI goes and does its thing, just like these artists in Damien Hirst's factory go out and do their thing. The question is, are they the artists or is Damien Hirst the artist? So is it the AI that should be responsible for being called the no. artist rather than you?
1: No, because the people who work in the factory just told to do little dots on the pictures if he's doing his dot pictures or whatever. Oh, no, Dr. Jay's allowed to see if it like Damien Palava, but it's it's not his factory workers coming on the morning and go. Oh, I've got an idea. We should do we should do little squares to do it in, in terms of it, uh, rather than like circles. There's, he's going to go. You're not working for me. It's my idea. It's the dots we're doing, not the squares or whatever. So it is Debbie. It, the person who's prompted the AI, and is the artist. it Doesn't matter what the tool is. So those people are just tools in, in, in his vision of what he wants to do in the same ways the AI is. I think the more interesting, the more interesting thing is with Midjourney, there's a, there's certain properties that you can use. There's a parameter called Chaos. I don't know if you've played with Midjourney and played with Chaos, but you can be very specific about what you want. Then you go, oh, I'll have Chaos turned up to 99, which is the maximum you have for Chaos. And then what you're saying to it is, I've given you areas, I've given you cues in neurological terms or area of information, and they're stored in, in the neural network, they're stored in a vector, where they're stored in a three, in a way, in a, three, in a 3D space, if you can imagine it. So when you're picking this concept here and this concept here, like a ball of the sky, it'll go, oh, I can connect those two ideas quite closely because there's a Lots of times I've seen pictures of balls in, ska- in the sky. It could be a cricket ball, it could be a football ball. So they're stored in that area. So ball can be like a cloud, if you will, of different types of balls. Oh, but something more on the outside of that might be like fancy dress ball, still a ball, but it's a ball nonetheless. But when it associates sky with ball, it's going to think, yeah, it's not going to be a pool ball. It's more like it's going to be a football Or a rugby ball or a cricket ball in the air. So, what happens is when you prompt it and you say, Chaos 99, give me Chaos 99, what you're doing is you're saying, oh, maybe spread yourself out to the very edges of your understanding of that concept. So, you might get a fancy dress ball at like Chaos 50, but Chaos 99, it might have even spread into boomerangs or meringues or so then you get these chaos at work as well, and that to me is, to me, it's something I've played with quite a lot because I like to find the edges of when things start to go strange. I like discordant things to make me happy. When you turn it towards that chaos, I think that's a little bit more. Oh, are you still the artist when you're giving it more free reign?
2: So I really like the Damien Hurst case that you give and I think a lot of people look at Damien Hurst and they have two reactions the one is you say you've got a brilliant mind who's come up with unique work and he's told other people how to do the practice of it and they're being instructed other people say no real artists need to get their hands dirty it's the person who is doing the work doing the cutting or doing the painting and Hurst is a charlatan so you have this sort of division about the way he's viewed. But if we take the view that really a lot of the artist's work is that conceptual work and that the practice of it could be done by others, then AI seems like this incredible tool. And the case you give of the Chaos 99, and by the way, that just seems like such a cool band name, is Hurst walks into the factory and he says, okay, guys, do whatever you like today. I trust you. It's like that. And at that juncture, then we say, is it Hurst who has called for the chaos, who has demanded chaos from his underlings? or it's oh, no, no, no. given them fr- freedom and the freedom is what's coming out and then it's their work and that's such a nice line it's so difficult to work out which way have we gone here has the ai been unleashed or have we instructed it to do a certain kind of thing uh, yeah but then it's still
1: yeah you still with kiosk you still put sort of certain parameters around that it's still just within that sort of bubble in a way but you can tell mid journey, you can say, give me a random image. It will just give you a random image. And yeah, that's interesting. When I think the main thing we're looking at, where what AI is doing, is that at every single point of where we're at, and since I've started playing with it for the last six months, every, every single precise moment that you're in every month is just where you're at. And the interesting thing with that is where we're at six months since July, more precise. It hits the prompts better, it's clearer, it gives better results. So that's obviously the way that they want want it to go. That's the training. The training of it is for it to be closer to your ideas. So it's easier for you to tell it something and for it to get it right. So that's the way it's going. So when you could be, but then at the same time, the sort of that, that be is in two directions with a question of art because on one side it's getting close. If you're super specific about something, it will get it right, but if you're super ambiguous, it will give you just a good picture. Now, before it wouldn't give you a good picture, I've got on, I'm just giving you any old tap. So, there's an interesting thing where it's kind of forking off in two directions, but people that want to use it simply, then it is becoming the artist, but it's also, it's empowering the artists to be more precise of what they actually want as well. So that's, it's kind of interesting that it's it's going in both directions or at least mid-journey is. Um, and every week I listen to David Holtz on office hours. He chats about what they're working on every week. and It's quite interesting in sort of philosophy of that direction he wants to go. And so I think it's that, it's
0: not one thing or the other in terms of the artist's control. So far, we've discussed a lot around the definition of art and who's the artist. Is it the machine? Is it the person putting in the prompt into the AI generator? And we've also discussed the definition of art. What I'm interested now is just focusing on the morality or the ethics involved. A lot of people have these ethical qualms about AI art and so much so that a lot of people refuse to read books that have images drawn in them by AI art, or they won't buy books that have AI-generated book covers if they know about it, or they review bomb those books. What is this incredible dislike for AI art about?
1: I think, firstly, I would say that's driven a lot by Clickbait. I would say the article, it's it's a really good controversy. So you get a lot of articles. So And in this polemic social media world, people like to jump on one side or another. And I would say with my experience is, it's from my, like the people I work for, it's about 75, 25. I've lost clients and I'm like, okay, whatever. But a lot of people see the line of the fact that it's coming and you can't stop it. The ethical dilemma of that is a completely different discussion. If you want to look at that properly, that's something to be looked at. But one of the sort of feelings that I get is that it seems very interesting. You have, you have big authors that earn a lot of money, but have enough money to pay artists to go away and do a £600, £700 cover. But still at the same time, that artist will be using stock images. It's not as if the people that produce stock images are getting paid particularly well in the age of things like stock. They get pennies per image so you have this strange sort of situation that it comes down to it's it seems like a very sort of middle-class reaction oh i've got a disposable income to pay lots of money for an artist but then at the other end of the scale you have people who write written books that might only get read by the mum their auntie and you know, a few friends and maybe get four reviews but they want it to look nice right? Like, so they want to spend $30, $40 on a cover. Why do they have to spend 600 quid when... So I think it's, yeah, there's a quite a middle pass to that sort of argument
2: in terms of my industry. So it seems there's the classic Luddite argument, where the Luddites were used to working on hand looms, along comes the industrial revolution and you have these steam powered looms they're that much quicker And people say how dare you have this technological innovation you're going to make me out of work and so they smash the machines right and it seems like that's the one impulse is that oh the poor artists who've been doing this stuff they're going to be shortchanged by those that work in ai the other one might be a bit more personal which is someone has developed a style that's unique and the ai can then go and emulate that style and produce stuff that looks akin to the work of that artist and they might say i had to spend an enormous amount of time coming up with let's say surrealism and now this ai can generate stuff that looks like it was made by me and that's not right you've stolen from me i should have a right to this style that i have spent many years cultivating learning from all these other things and simulating and creating my own unique voice how dare this ai come shouldn't i be entitled to some kind of revenue out of it shouldn't it pay me a royalty shouldn't it be Disallowed from using my work, shouldn't I be able to stop it from copying me or my style? No, it's tough. it's
1: Like high attitude is tough. There's like a there's a fantastic quote that I love from the billion Basquiat film. And as it's, I, I don't know if you've seen the film before, but he's Basquiat's just starting to get a little bit more popular as an artist. And there's a bit where they're playing basketball, and he, and he's. Friend says to him, oh, you don't want to get famous though, because the moment you get famous, then people like your style. And when they like your style, you want to make something new, then you suck it, so you go away and you make something new. They're not going to like it anymore. In fact, they're going to be angry with you. So you've just got to continue making the same stuff the moment you become famous. And I think I think that's just commerce, isn't it? It's like if you turn around and you can't turn, you can't turn around as an artist and go, oh, somebody's copied like some great idea I had, because it's not good I had a great idea. It's so good that people want to copy it, but if, if it's commercially enough to be copied by other people, then surely you've made coin on it because people are already copying profit it to try and get somebody in their pocket as well. Generally, they're not doing it out of an artistic endeavor, they're doing it for purely financial reasons. So if you were that popular you must have already made your coin anyway you must have <laughs> so if you've made your coin already experiment with some other style get on with something else if you're big enough to be copied then you've made your money is my attitude is it awful to spend 20 years cultivating the style and then somebody come in and steal that i'm not entirely Sure that you have a right to, that much luxury to be actually be able to spend 20 years to cultivate that style, to actually complain about it, because that's, it's not, so you're working in a factory, and then a robot comes along, so you've had a nice life to be able to go to art school, to cultivate your style, just in general terms, I don't, it's a whole world out there, different socioeconomic backgrounds, but to be able to be develop a but I'm just going to work on paintings of dragons every day until I get really good to do for like 10 years. That's some sort of touch lines you've got there.
0: The artist could say, Hold on, in a world without AI art, my style would survive a lot longer as a unique product. So it would take other artists a lot longer to learn what I'm doing, to emulate it. They'd have to study me. But someone sits in front of Midjourney and just puts in a prompt and 10 seconds later, boom, my work is reproduced. It seems it's no longer worth my time to sit and become an artist.
1: Yeah, but you're to- See, I think it's really easy to compute the idea with artists and just an artisan. Being good at being able to craft something, it is a skill, making a nice loaf of bread. It might bury there's different places I can go for bread. Some bread's a little bit nicer, a little bit more expensive, but that might have been a family. Three generations, you learn to make really good bread. So it's it's to be able to paint a certain way, it's just an art. artisan work. It's not an, the work of an artist to me. So, to claim, oh, somebody's stealing my awful mind. Artistic thing just seems, and so somebody comes up with a really good song. All the pop songs are like that Pops are after that. It's, it's just the way that the world works. Things are created. If it's popular, people copy off it and try and make somebody off it. It's no different. Just because the machine's speeding up that process doesn't mean that you some, you've suddenly got some sort of God given right because you've spent a lot of time learning your craft
2: so a friend of mine is a novelist and he had a different objection to it he said that other kinds of ai which are producing text have access to his work and they're able to use his words his characters and he's not really writing for the money he's writing because he sees it as a beautiful exercise and he says his sacred stuff is being intermingled with other distasteful things and so he's not worried about someone making a dime of his work he's saying you're taking something pure and you are infusing it with horrible bad ideas you can imagine he writes a character and someone else uses that character to write uh, white supremacist uh, hate fiction and he says you've taken something that was important to me and now you've studied it and it makes me not want to write anymore and i wonder if that kind of objection is different to the commercial objections where we go you've had a nice life you're a middle class person who went to art school suck it up Versus the guy who says, "I'm not doing it for the money. I'm doing it for the love." And now my whole enterprise is being sullied. I think the question that is, has he published these books on Amazon? Yes,
1: but did he read the terms and conditions?
2: So there's a there might be a sense in which you've waived your rights. Sorry, other people could do this, and then it's as you said, tough in that sense. I wonder if it's the kind of thing where we say it's not the kind of right you could waive. Or you shouldn't, even if you signed it away, Amazon should protect you.
1: I think I had this really interesting chat. It was about maybe about 15 years ago. I was at a thing called Oil for the New Millennium, which was, it was a get-together of all the people, the tracker people. So you yeah, have like, when Torrent was really big, with all the trackers, and everybody was there. It was only about 40 us, 50 of us, there's a few... There's a few, undercover, a few undercover people there, which is quite funny. But I, I had this kind of discussion with Brokat from Pirate Bay, and it was a really interesting intellectual discussion about the internet. And Brokat's idea, see, oil for the 21st century comes from a statement that John, is it John Paul Getty? De- Whoever's was the Getty guy? They're all John, they're all called John Paul, I think. Obviously, Getty yeah, images, and they were like big things. he said, yes, digital asset." a good meatball over the 21st century. That was his statement, so that's why they ironically called it oil for the 21st century. But he was saying that because things are digital, then what he wanted to do, his idea, the idea of the pirate party, was that not all culture is owned by him, should be owned by everybody. The pirate, the pirate bit was originally set up as an idea, just going, no, nobody should own anything if it's Digital, it's that those days should be over. We should live in a world that's more utopian in terms of ideas but freely shared amongst everybody else. Now, when you, when you think of it in those terms, your friend came saying, oh, if my characters might be some white supremacist thing or what have you. Well, I'm bit of a white supremacist, probably. You probably have quite a nice friend. They, they probably never. I can understand the hypothetical I do that, but in reality, that probably won't happen. But, um, no one, something's out there. It's out there. It's like most people, I don't know if you've ever been on fanfiction.com or is it fanfiction.net. Anything that's big, has been completely, and silly, and changed and always will be changed by people. That's just the nature of culture. There's like a, ideas are owned. Once an idea is out in the open, it's owned by everybody. It's a common space. So this idea of intellectual property, you've got intellectual property, or well, I should earn money from something, but you've got this idea of idea space. Once something's in that idea space, then there isn't, there is no idea of that. It's like, say, the of castle paid to the halls of Avignon. And everybody goes, ah, right, from rubbish. Well, give it a couple of years and everybody's doing cubits at uh, different angles, different times. The idea becomes part of idea space. And that sense of understanding that things exist in idea space is just the way things are. And their eyes come along. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to cannibalise everything that exists in ideas. Why do you think it wouldn't? Like, Or oh, how could it not? In a way, like it's, if you want it to just stuff, you got to feed them some food to get it going. Do you know what I
0: mean? That's an interesting question, whether you need to give consent for it to learn from your stuff in order for that learning to be ethical. So you could argue that I didn't consent for it to read my books. I didn't consent for it to view my art that I generated to put into its database to learn from. And insofar as there's a programmer out there who's giving free reign to the AI machine to go and learn from all these different pieces of text and all these different pieces of art without checking first whether those artists are okay with it, then you could say that person who's programming the AI that way has done something wrong. No, you can't.
1: I would strongly disagree with that because the moment that you put something out, it's out there. You can't necessarily, you can't say, like a good, a really good example is my friend used to have a t-shirt shop and we used, I used to go down and visit him when he had his, he had a bench outside, a little drinking bench. I'd finish work, go sit down with him, drink a bottle of wine together. Talk rubbish. But You'd have people that come along, younger people with a phone. Oh, that's a great t-shirt. I want to take a follow. can you move out Where way I want to take. The fact that he had t t-shirt, and I was always annoyed because he sure I can't leave half away and stuff, but I'm like, and it, they, they never bought his t-shirts and he never got any money out of it. It was just, all oh, it's so cool to put on my Instagram feed. And it's he, his attitude was that it's not my shots visible to the world. So I can't stop them from doing that because I've already put it out in the world. And I think it's exactly the same. The problem, the the, so from an ethical point of view, the moment you put some out in the world, what, how can how can you stop that? The problem is that it's hyper learning, it's turboed version of taking some and copying it, copying the style, and that's taking you twenty years to learn how to paint special apples, and then it learns how to do special apples in six months, and you're annoyed. But it's no different than somebody else going to
0: learn how to create these special apples once it's out there it's out there but i want to push you on this because you make your living from digital assets right so you sell covers suppose i hack into your computer and i take all of your covers and i then go and sell them surely you would say i've done something wrong now, you're saying, I assume that's the case, right? I assume you'd agree that I've done something wrong and maybe should be prosecuted for it. Well,
1: you'd be surprised. You would actually be surprised. Yeah, it happens. So, I've had people in the past see that I'm talking because I've got a certain amount, but they take images off my website, then they put it on a website, sell it for more expensive, and then come I me mean, for the covers. And I'm like, okay, whatever, paid the price I brought it up for, if somebody stopped, you can't actually steal, you couldn't steal my covers anywhere. It would be pretty impossible because the, uh, the fonts I've doubled over the last 30 years, my working career is pretty varying. So you might get it, all oh, that font doesn't work on it. I'm definitely using the really old piece of software as well, that <laughs> you can't even get to looking at money anymore. It's not a new version, the files won't open properly, but it, if somebody stole something that I made, I okay, can put it in a different way. At a certain point, I'm pretty sure the AI will be able to analyze all my covers and produce book covers the same as me. Okay. So when that happens, how do I feel about it? That's probably a better question. What am I going to do? Sh- scream at clouds. Shake my fist at God. The inevitability of that is... So I think you should prepare yourself for it. quite simply, it's the unmovable future coming at you. And to me, it, it shocked me. And it was coming, I've been known it's coming for most of my adult life. But it's shocked me how fast it is coming ours.
2: But it's... So what's interesting is that the way people have traditionally conceived of technology is that it will remove unskilled labour. Instead of having someone packing boxes, we'll have a robot that does that. And people haven't thought of the idea of it doing this traditionally skilled intellectual work. The industry that has gotten a fair amount of attention that is next in the firing line is my industry. I work as a lawyer and there is a guy who has put out a challenge saying anyone, any lawyer who's appearing in the American Supreme court put in a little earpiece and their AI will feed you what to say. And if you take them up on it, they'll pay you a million dollars. At the moment, it's being used for low level things like fighting traffic fines. But the idea is that you think you're special, having studied law for so long, you can draw all these interesting connections between different legal principles and different fact sets. Well, wait until you see what I can do, and you guys are going to be run out of business. And there's some sense in which no one's really going to be crying much for the lawyers. They're like, as long as I can get my dispute resolved, that's the thing that matters to me. And Maybe people ought not to be crying for the artists that the AI is going to come in, it's going to do incredible things, stuff that no one else has conceived of before. And maybe it's a better world for the consumers, everyone will enjoy it more. And Jason being the arch utilitarian, who's done a good job of putting forward a rights based account thus far, is going to say, let's just count up the amount of pleasure that's generated. Think how many people are going to have such a wonderful time enjoying these, these works that are created by the AI. And isn't that pleasure something that we should be celebrating?
1: Oh yeah, I think the whole thing is if you think you, if you think you're safe, you're definitely not safe. Everything, so at a certain level, you don't, like, I think there's been a lot of low-level stuff that's probably gone by the by as well. So you mentioned lawyers, but doctors, how much surgery is done, guided surgery he's done now. Everybody that, like, like, I've had a friend who had heart procedure, I've had a friend that's just telling he's Goldbladder, I'm getting to that age where my friends are all falling apart. Yeah, Goldbladder taken out in a week. And it's all key. And I, my, mum, my, yeah, my mum had a lung cancer, at a part of the lung taken out. All key, all surgery, all guided robots, all that AI happening in real time, in miniature form. And you have all these, you do have all these things that, yeah, that's just 20 years time, everything will be gone. So you've just got universal basic income. That's... Got to be something in the pipeline. It's one reason why I think you have a lot of people stealing a lot of money in the world at the moment, trying to stop Pyre with the coming lack of labor situation. A lot of people in Davos, I can imagine, have been talking about this for a number of years of how fast AI is going to drop and what does that mean. One thing that I find super interesting is how well Alpha Code did this year. So Alpha Code is DeepMind's version of it's coding, it's coding algorithm. So it's a, that I just do the code thing or code in Python, whatever language and just write code, And it it won, I think it won 54% of the challenges against human beings. So it's already slightly better than human being programmers, which is really strange. Concept when you think about it, because once it can code a lot that in faster time, then things will change a lot faster as well. Is how microchips you have a better computer to so design a better computer, to design a better computer, to design a better computer, to design a better computer. So it's the exponential increase until you hit the sort of semiconductor level. I think the, what, one of the interesting things that I saw, which was really strange, is I play computer games. Well, it's approaching oh. 50, but I like to play computer games, it's kind of good fun on a night rather than watching TV. And NVIDIA made the graphics cards, brought out DL DLSS3. It was a computer game I ran, and <laughs> I could only run it at HD before. Nice graphics and stuff, but only HD. When they brought that driver out, which was an AI drive of the same hardware, it allowed me to run it up 4K, same graphics. And that was just, oh, they would create a bit of AI code that makes the hardware four times as good as. But you know, how can we do that? And that is you most people, when you look at it, it looks, oh, it looks a bit bad, But a lot of things, I think, are happening behind the scenes rapid improvement but we're all going to be out of the job
0: it's a very interesting future one view is that the there's no limit to the progress that ai can make and it's just gonna advance exponentially until it's more sophisticated than humans and then yeah we're all out of every possible job and ai takes over and we just have to live on a universal basic income but the other view is that the growth will cap and one one reason for thinking that is that if you look at the advances in chips there was this incredible exponential improvement in chips through the 70s and 80s and the 90s and stopped they just couldn't create conductors and superconductors small enough anymore to keep that exponential growth going and although there have been improvements if you have a look at the speed of computers they certainly haven't increased exponentially like they did in decades past, perhaps we're gonna hit some sort of cap here as well. There's just a limit to how smart AI can be and it will do certain things as well or better than people. Mark will be out of a job, lawyers are out, cover designers are out, but certain things, still humans might be able to do better. Let me, let me something. I okay. think the interesting thing is
1: on that film is the called Burn with Wacken Phoenix where he falls in love with the AI operating system he gets is it called her or she or something like that his job was writing romantic letters for people who said they were the people and i always thought i was like chef's kids perfect job for a character in a sort of near, fewer, near, near future film where they are exactly. present because it makes sense though yeah i think the will also also, you have this interesting thing where you've seen a massive resurgence in vinyl. So, there's a desire for things that are still real, like real artifacts. I kind of make music and I do love music, and I've got lots of music with friends. So, I've kind of a quite a close take on that whole sort of situation. Spotify has, to a certain extent, killed music in the same ways of a lot of other. So, Spotify just taking what's popular, creating stupid, stupid playlists and uh, work out and then they'll just work out what's the perfect music by interrogating that with the eye. Go and get somebody to make it in a studio for a hundred quid a track and then just put it on there and just flood the system with all this sort of junk that people just accept. But at the same time with music, you've got going in the other directions where I could go, oh no, actually I like the actual vinyls and the thing that i own to the point where <coughs> me, to the point where you have like Adele, a dell re- releasing all the re- re-releasing all our albums a day on vinyl and that's clogging up all of the vinyl pressing clouts in the whole of the world so independent artists can't put out vinyls so you have this weird thing where what It's a good case in point where you have something that's being destroyed by technology, how people react to that as well.
2: Yeah. So I like the idea of thinking about what political structure you want in place in a world where AI can solve a lot of problems and You've both talked about the idea of a universal basic income, which is this libertarian idea that work is bad and it would be best for us if none of us worked and it could be done by machines. We would then have enough money to lead the lives that we want to live. So instead of toiling away in the factory, you can do the thing that you want. And what's interesting, of course, is it seems like the AI is doing the thing that we want. All the interesting, creative, beautiful work that people are supposed to be doing with their time and with their universal basic income is being done by others. And so then if if there's nothing left to do what's the purpose of the life it seems you give the brilliant case of her where you could fall in love with the ai that the ai knows every romantic trick in the book it can pull your heartstrings in just the right way customized just to you it's going to beat any human lover we can imagine combining it with a really impressive 3d printed robotic body that's got the feel of flesh that you don't have to deal with all the messiness of a real human being, we can have the perfect match for you. That really everyone can have their own customizable soulmate. The AI can learn everything about you and be your perfect match, whatever it is that you need. And then we start to wonder what's the point of humanity. Would it be okay if we all just died out it's The one generation of falling in love with the robots? There won't be any more people and the AI's AI just persist. Maybe that would be a better world.
1: Yeah. I think for a lot of people, we are going to be, be quite stuff by the romantic sense of like, and maybe people will develop more romantic sense of like, and don't mean as in more romantic look but just like a romantic more romantic way to look at sort of interpersonal relationships maybe people don't have time like there was a moment in what my friend's like in my friend's life in his history where he he's he'd had a kid the kid's now like twenty-three, twenty-four, 24 something like that when he, the kid was about four then split up and my friend he was he didn't have a job at the time but his The mother of his child, his sort of ex-father. She she had a really good job. So he was looking after the kid. And he just said he remembered one day going to the park and he was like quite he was quite like a bit down, a bit upset. And his kid ran to go, I want to go play on the swings. And he was the kid was so excited, he started running. Then just suddenly tripped and fell off flat on his face. And my mates just started bursting out laughing, just going, My life might be terrible but that. funny watching my son fall off because you just fall over in the most comedic way and i guess to be able to watch people fall over in a comedic way if the robots take over and we'll still be able to laugh at each other i think i think that that's the point that's what i would look
0: at anyway james thank you so much for being on the show and it's a fascinating topic i think that it would be an interesting poll for our guests to find out how many of them think they're going to be out of jobs in 20 years all of them And every possible job in 20 years and how many people think they still will have something. I think we all want to think we have something that's unique to us that the AI can't reproduce. But it'll be an interesting future. And uh, thank you very much for your time and for being on the show. And for anyone who's listening to the show who is a writer and is thinking of writing a book or has written books, James's covers are fantastic. I can vouch for them. They're excellent. So go on to goonwrite.com and have a look at James's work.